Bless your people here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The two scriptural references I use here, we find in them that advice that was given to two young men, two young men who were entrusted to share God's words as ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ, Timothy and Titus. It is said that Timothy was one of the best known of Paul's companions and fellow laborers. It is believed that he was one of Paul's own converts, as the apostle had described him several times in the Bible as his beloved and his faithful son in the Lord. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 2, he writes to Timothy, my child in the faith. He addresses him as my beloved child. As to Titus, he was a Greek Christian, one of Paul's intimate friends, his companion in some of his apostolic journeys, and one of his assistants in Christian work. Paul calls him my true child after a common faith in Titus 1 and 4. And the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says it is probable that he too was one of Paul's converts. But the thing that we see that they both had in common, they were both advice of the importance of sound doctrine. They were to preach what had been taught to them by the older generation. That is the Apostle Paul. Now today we have seen and we continue to see the decline of those who are standing for the things that were taught to them and us, the things that we are advised to contend for, the things that are known as the faith that was once and for all delivered unto the saints. Many, because of the greed for worldly success and even the lust of pride, wanted to be recognized by the world for their perceived better eloquence or their superior knowledge of theology, in arrogant pride we find that today many have moved or are moving away from the landmarks that were set by our ancient fathers and forefathers and they are being turned onto doctrines of demons and fables. The Bible warns us in Proverbs 22 and 28 that we are not to remove the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set, which our fathers have set. But we find like Ramesses, the Pharaoh that came after the time of Joseph, he forgot all the good that had been done by Joseph under the older generation. And in his zeal to keep Egypt safe, he brought destruction upon Egypt instead. That problem came because of a new generation. In going through the book of Proverbs, I saw in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 13, it says, there's a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes. And their eyelids are lifted up. Today, such a generation has risen. A generation within which there are those whose eyes are so lofty with pride. They deify Christian uh, education, religious education. They turn it into a god. Education that instead of cultivating humility, it has engendered pride in some of them. 
pride that makes them feel that they are better than our Baptist forefathers and even our faithful present-day elders. Education is important, and we ought not to minimize its importance, but God has and still can take the uneducated and perform his will. Education is important, beloved. But education that cultivates pride has to be the wrong kind. That is education without wisdom. For wisdom would give us the ability to use that education positively. May God give us, especially us younger ones here, the younger ones too who are growing up, may God give all of us a spirit of humility that we should heed the words of the Apostle Paul when he said in Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, And the things that thou hast heard of or from me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We are not looking for new revelations. We are not looking for new ideas. But the things that were committed, the things that were, that he had taught them, he is saying the things that have been taught to us by the older generation, those teachings we are to commit to other faithful men that they too would continue that process. Remember the teachings that Paul had received that he was telling these young men about. He said those teachings that I received, they were not of me. They were from divine revelation in Galatians 1.12. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. One writer says, times have passed and doctrines have been changed by some. But has the word of God, which is and should always be the basis of our doctrines, has that changed? No. The word has not changed. Beloved, so why should our doctrines change? It is important for us to see the importance of doctrines. Many of our quote-unquote Christian people today, they are living what they claim to be Christian lives, and they are saying that doctrines are not important. From Genesis chapter 1 straight down to Revelation chapter 22. It is all doctrines. All doctrines. And it is important that you and I understand and search the word of God. Jesus says, search your scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. It is important for us to search the scriptures and see the importance of doctrines. That word doctrine is mentioned 51 times in the Bible. And I'm talking about the King James Bible. That's what I use. 51 times it is mentioned. It is mentioned five times as doctrines. And the phrase sound doctrine is used. It is mentioned four times. If doctrines were not important, God would not have seen fit to have that so in the word of God. So, I want to share with you all tonight, I want to share with you all tonight, doctrines and its importance. First of all, we'd ask the question, what are doctrines? Simply put, doctrines in the context that we use them, they are religious teachings. But as I mentioned before, it can be much more than that. And this is a much more I would like to get into tonight. You see, 
as religious teachings, doctrines are they which tells us whether we are truly saved or whether we are deceived into thinking we might be saved. What you believe about the doctrine of salvation will either have you truly saved or sincerely deceived. What you believe about salvation would either have you truly saved or sincerely deceived. The kind of salvation that is generally being taught from most pulpits today and also that is being offered to people, it is not the kind of salvation that is taught in the Bible. A real and a true salvation, it is not offered to anyone. Biblical doctrine says that it is conferred upon its recipients. In other words, I'm saying that we do not stand here to offer you salvation. I am not standing here to offer you salvation. Or Christ is not offering salvation to you. When a person is born again, it is because salvation has been conferred upon them. God gives them regardless regardless of who or what they are, only because of Him. We find, if we look at the sequence, you know, uh, Jonah said in Jonah 2 and 9, he says that salvation is of the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it tells us that Jesus Christ is the author and He's the finisher of our salvation. Beloved brethren, what I'm saying here is that salvation is all of God. The Bible teaches that. And if you believe differently that you had to do something, it is your, your walking the aisle or you saying some sinner's prayer or you belonging to a church or you being baptized or something that centers upon you, you have not been saved. Anyone who attributes any aspect of their salvation to any other thing except the grace of God, they may not be saved. They may not be saved. Salvation. As we look at the sequence of salvation, believers before salvation, we find that the Bible teaches that they are sought out by God. God is the one who seeks them out. It started in the Garden of Eden. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11, it says, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. God is the one. Praise the Lord. God is the one. Had it not been for him. Listen, you are not here tonight by accident. Every aspect of your life, everything that points towards you needing Christ, it is God who is the one who is working in you. God got someone to invite you to service. God got someone on the radio or the TV or a church, a member of the church or someone, your parents or someone. God got them to be used as his instruments of righteousness so that you are here to hear the word of God. If you're not saved and you need to be saved, God is the one who seeks out the sheep. The sheep never seeks the shepherd. It is the shepherd who always seeks the sheep. So first of all, we see believers before salvation, they are sought out by God. And then he gives them salvation. In John 10, 28, it says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. He says, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. 
And how does this take place? Because of God's election unto salvation. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God had from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. God is the one. Hallelujah. I always give God the glory for anything in my life, everything in my life. Even when I'm, I'm going through tough times, everything in my life. I know who God is. Beloved brethren, when God calls you, it is because He loves you. And this takes place, as I said, the salvation takes place because of God's election unto salvation. The process is by calling them, calling you through the preaching of the gospel in 2 Thessalonians 2.14. Whereunto He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he sovereignly empowers them. I ask, I'm going to show you, God confers salvation upon people. You see, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And you will hear preachers saying that it is a gift that you have to receive it. And that is true. But if you're dead, how are you going to receive it? You cannot receive anything in your dead condition. So, the Bible tells us that God says that His people would be willing in the day of His power. And so the Spirit of God comes into you and gives you that life. And so you are saved. And if you're here tonight, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. He's talking to you, telling you you need to be saved. It is because you're saved. You only understand spiritual things after you are saved. So that is what God, if you believe that you had to do something to be saved, like you had to walk the aisle here, or someone has to lay hands on you, or something like that, that is not salvation. Salvation, listen, when you understand salvation, that it is conferred to you, beloved brethren, you learn to give God all the glory. God gets all praise for you being saved. You realize it is not the preacher. Sometimes it is in spite of us preachers. But it is because of God's mercy and His grace. His love for you. A love that started even before this world ever came into being. And that is what real salvation is. Real salvation. Now through being taught true doctrines... An understanding of this kind of salvation will have the recipient of it truly grateful to God for salvation, recognizing that God in His mercies had conferred salvation unto Him through none of His good works. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, no works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercies, He saved us. God is the one who does it. The doctrines are very important. This is what real doctrine tells us. That salvation is all of God. It is not in the church you belong to. It is not in anything you do. It is not in these things. It is all in God. And you give God all the glory for it. No man deserves any kind of praise. And while I would love for you to respect your pastor and to love your pastor... I want for you to do that, but he can't save you. And I can't save you, and nobody here can save you. 
And you can't save yourself either. It is God who saves. And it is God who would keep. Doctrines are also a day which tells us not only about salvation, but doctrines are they which tells us the truth about the ordinances that are entrusted to the Lord's churches. There are two ordinances, not three. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. And in the same sequence that I mentioned them, that is how they are to be observed. Today, lots of churches and even amongst our Baptist brethren, the baptism that is generally taught today is not the baptism of the Bible. There is one right kind of baptism. Ephesians 4, 5 says, One Lord, one true Lord, one faith, and one baptism. In order for baptism to be proper, and most churches do not teach this. In order for baptism to be proper or scriptural, there are four prerequisites. And if any of these prerequisites are missing, you have not been baptized. Any of these prerequisites, first of all, you must be saved. You must be a believer. The Bible does not in any place teach where unbelievers were baptized. It is not in the word of God. Instead, you would find every time people were, believe, they, they, they were baptized is because they believed first. You must have the proper candidate, a believer. You must have the proper mode, which is being immersed in water, in the name of the triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You must have the proper design. You are baptized because of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. No other reason. And last but not least, you must be baptized by the proper authority. Jesus Jesus started one kind of a church in the land of Palestine. And that church, he promised the continued existence of that church and that kind of churches. And today we stand upon that. And the authority was placed in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus called his church together there. He said unto them in Matthew 28, 18 till 20, he says, the Bible says he called them together and said unto them that all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then he said teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world. The proper authority, it's Jesus. The, the ordinances, the ordinances, beloved brethren, he placed it in the church. Now, if any one of you here tonight is lacking any of these four prerequisites, and let me just recap it here. A proper candidate, that is a believer. The proper mode, immersion in water in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The proper design because of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. The proper authority that is one of the Lord's churches. If you're lacking any one of these four prerequisites in your baptism, then you have not been baptized. And if you have not been baptized, then you should be baptized if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The second ordinance we find is the Lord's Supper. 
That is one that is close to the observing church and only to be observed by its own membership who are in good standing with the elements of the Lord's Supper being unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine which is the finished product of fermented wine and nothing else. This is how the Lord instituted it and this is how it should be if we are observing it. The use of grape juice or sodas or even coconut water as they do in the Caribbean there. Beloved brethren, that is strictly unscriptural and it, it is totally contrary to the word of God. These biblical doctrines of the ordinances are what has been given to us in God's holy word and are to be observed as he commanded it. No one has a right to make any changes to them, no matter how well-intentioned. Yes, beloved, doctrines are important. Doctrine tells you of salvation, true salvation. Doctrine tells you about the ordinances. Doctrines are also there which teaches us the truth about the Lord's church. We're living in a time today, everyone say, you hear most people saying today, the church was started on the day of Pentecost. That's, that's a lie from the pits of hell. The church was not started on the day of Pentecost. The church was started by the Lord Jesus Christ. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28 it says, First he set in the church apostles. And when you go to Luke chapter 6 and you read in, there you would find verses 13 to 16 that he called out 12 disciples and the Bible says he named them what? Apostles. That was the Lord's church. The only thing that happened on the day of Pentecost is that 3,000 souls were added to the church. And you cannot add to something that is not already in existence. And Jesus our Lord also promised the perpetuity of that church when he said in Matthew 16 and 18, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against that church. And that is what doctrine tells you. Doctrine teaches you the truth about the Lord's church. Doctrine teaches you that one day that church will become his bride. Revelation chapter 19 verse 6, 6, 7, 8 and 9. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and all the voice of many waters. And as the voice of many thundering saying hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife had made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, etc. We read, the Bible tells us clearly about this church. Beloved brethren, I, I believe that Jesus started one kind of a church. Promised the perpetuity of that one kind of a church. And upon his promise of perpetuity, I believe there are one or more of those churches existing today. And by God's grace, that is what proper doctrine teaches us. If you fail to see the importance of doctrines, then you wouldn't know these things. And doctrines are they which teaches us to properly worship God. Today's worship is so different from what is taught in the Bible. The modern church has gone the way of the world with its fancy lights and live bands that seem to be competing with rock bands. Musical artists, not worshippers, they are flocking the halls and stages of mega churches and aspiring mega churches. 
bombarding the ears of the followers with diabolic and indecent worship. Beloved brethren, in these churches you would find utter confusion. God is not the author of confusion. He is the author of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. 1 Corinthians 14.33 You want to ask the question, where is the decency and the order of... The Listen, I love music. I have been a musician since I was 14 years old. I play almost anything in a band. I don't blow any instruments, but I play keyboard, drums, guitar, everything. But I would never trade my, my I would never trade biblical worship to satisfy my love for music. I do not want to have something in the church that I am pastoring. I don't want something in that church that instead of giving God glory, you find Satan is being worshipped. Listen people, today a lot of this is happening. Where is the decency and the order that God says, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, let everything be done in decency and in order. Doctrines teach us to properly worship God in decency and in order. Yes, doctrines are important. It is important. Where do we find these doctrines preached and practiced today? Secondly, can we find them in every church? There are true churches and there are churches. Synagogues of Satan. There's a pattern that's found in the churches of the New Testament. They taught that salvation is only of grace through faith and it is a gift from God. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. They practice proper baptism and they practice close communion. Not close. Not close communion. But closed communion. The Bible, the Bible is very clear on that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 18 it says, For first of all, when you come together in the church, speaking to the members of that church, I heard that there be divisions amongst you and I partly believe it. But when you come together, therefore into one place. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. You only come together, members of that church. That is how it is. So, doctrines are what teaches us these things. And it is important to understand if we are to be Christians who are following the principles and precepts of God's word, then we should show interest in studying the doctrines that God has left for us. So the churches, where would you find churches that are practicing this kind of teaching now? Brethren, you're going to find them. You know, Jesus did promise the perpetuity of that kind of church and he, that he had started. And upon his promise, we believe that there are churches like these that continue to practice and to teach these truths. They are generally today known by the name Baptists. Now there might be others. I know of some Christians who may not wear the name Baptist, but you find that they are strict when they observe strict communion and all these sort of things. But we must bear in mind that the name Baptist, it is not a denominational name. It is a name that was given in scorn, just like the name Christian. So too, the name Baptist, this Baptist, this name Baptist, was given in scorn. They, they were previously called Anabaptists. Those rebaptizers, those, those people, rebaptizers, that's who they are. And in the 16th century around there, the prefix Anna was dropped. 
and they were called Baptists. But bear in mind that not every church that wears the name Baptist is really a Baptist church. They're not truly Baptist. A true church is not really identified by its name, but it's identified by its preaching and its practices. Many Baptist churches today are not worthy of wearing that name. Our forefathers have died by the millions. But I want to encourage you tonight, bear in mind that doctrines are very important. If you fail to study doctrines, you wouldn't know what you believe. And if you don't know what you believe, you are going to be running in every different direction. It is important for you to understand these things. When it comes to the word of God, study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing this word of truth. And you all are Christians, and I trust that you are Christians. I want to encourage you, search the scriptures. Set a pattern for Bible reading. Not just Bible reading, but look into God's word. Listen. Understand that doctrines are really important. I think they are. What you believe makes you who you are. And why? And that's why it's so important to learn the right teachings and to practice these right teachings. And if you are not in a sound church, I don't know if we have any visitors here. May the Lord guide you into a truly Bible-believing and Bible-practicing church like this. That you may grow in grace, that you may grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So tonight I want to say to you, Christian brother or sister here, if you are one of those who do not see the importance of learning and practicing sound doctrine, you have been dishonoring the Lord who bought you. Because Jesus said, you do err not knowing the scriptures. And how much of the scriptures do you know? It's a sad indictment against our Christian brothers and sisters today. When you have been a Christian, let's say you have been a Christian for a whole year, and you have not even read through your Bible once. That's a sad indictment against you. You need to set up a pattern and read your Bible every day. Study the Word of God. It's a sad thing. If you're a Christian like that, and you do not, you, you need to repent of your unfaithfulness. And you have to decide to search the scriptures and to learn more about Jesus. Learn more about yourself. Learn more about your God that you worship. If you're a Christian and you're feeling in that area, you need to repent of your sins. But if you're not saved, you cannot learn sound doctrine. There's no way you would learn it. For doctrines are taught by the Spirit of God. You must first be saved. And the Bible teaches us about doctrine. It says that God condescended himself. God lowered himself. Became a man. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he became a man. He walked the face of this earth for 33 and a half years. And the Bible tells us clearly that in that time there, he did all that was right. He never did anything wrong. And then he went on the cross of Calvary, suffering for six agonizing hours there. The Bible says he died on the cross of Calvary, giving himself for those of us who are his. Now, I don't know who you are tonight, but I'll tell you something. If you're one of his, you will know it. 
Christ Jesus died to save you. And if you would turn to Jesus Christ tonight, look to him as your savior. The, the glorious thing about that is that you have a heaven to look forward to. If you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, one day you will die and you will go to hell. But I encourage you tonight, look to Jesus Christ. May he be your Lord and Savior. I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that he will save you if you're not saved.